Long ago, this is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. But, but not right at first, if you look in Luke chapter 24, you have the ladies that went to the tomb after Jesus died and then he was buried and then he rose again. The ladies came to the tomb, remember this, in Luke 24, on the first day of the week and they found nothing. They found the tomb was empty. And then after that, they had angels announce to them that Jesus had come back to life and he said, remember, he told you that. This is in Luke 24. The angels say to the ladies, remember, he told you he was going to do this. Remember when, when you were in Galilee? He said he was going to come back to life after three days, and now he has. And so the ladies, they ran back to the others, to the other disciples, and they ran back to the apostles. And the apostles, I don't know, maybe because they were girls, uh, the, the, they did, the apostles didn't believe the girls. They didn't believe the ladies. Men still do that sometimes. As a matter of fact, it says this in Luke 24 and verse 11. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they didn't believe them. Have you ever thought about that with the, when somebody says, yeah, guess what, a man came back to life. And you're like, is that true? Or is that a fairy tale? So a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, I'm at the bank. I'm going to cash my check, and there's a guy out in front of the bank, and he's displaying the universal sign of automotive distress. He has his hood open and just kind of looking vacantly around. He's looking at the wrong guy because, like, my mechanical abilities are limited. But I could tell he needed a jump, and I'm like, you need a jump? And he goes, yeah. I go, well, I can help you. You got jumper cables? He says, no. I'm like, oh, let me check. I didn't have jumper cables either. So I went into the bank, I cashed my check, I did my small talk with the cashiers. I came back out, and the poor guy was still standing there looking around. So I drove over to a little shop nearby, and I bought a cheap set of jumper cables. So I come back, and I hook up the jumper cables, and we get his car going, and I fold them back up, and I give them back to him, and I say, hey, hang on to these in case you get into this problem again. You know, I kind of feel like that's my life. My whole life is devoted to helping people kind of boost their faith, boost their trust, boost their, to encourage people. And man, what a great day to do that. It's Easter, it's springtime, it's a perfect day for us to kind of get a boost to our faith, a boost to our, to our doubts even. So in Luke chapter 24, we have one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. After Jesus died, he was buried and he rose again. He appeared a number of times. The Bible talks about 10 or 12 of them. Depends on how you count. But there are at least 12, but at least 10 post-resurrection appearances that appear in the New Testament. There are probably lots of others, of course. But those that appear in the New Testament, 10 or 12 of them. And one of them is on this road to Emmaus. And so you think about Jerusalem. And if you go from Jerusalem to the east, that, then you go from from Jerusalem to the east, it's the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is to the east of Jerusalem. And then you have the wilderness of Judea. And it's like very arid. It's very desert-like. It's a lot like the pictures that you saw with the flannel graph in Sunday school. But if you go the other direction, if you go then to the west, there's this village called Emmaus. And the village of Emmaus is all about seven miles away. 
And it's a beautiful walk. As a matter of fact, the Jewish historian, Alfred Edersheim, who wrote this beautiful biography of Jesus called The Life and Times of Jesus Messiah, hundreds of years later, he took the walk from Jerusalem down the road to Emmaus, to the little village of Emmaus. And so you leave Jerusalem, and immediately as you go away, you can look off to the south. You can see out kind of the rolling plains out towards Bethlehem. And if you keep going further, you get into a place that's real hilly and beautiful. And there's a path and streams. And Edersheim said there were even citrus and flowers that grew there. It would have been a really beautiful walk to take. And so on the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection, in Luke 24, it tells a story of two disciples that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. These are disciples that had already heard from the women that Jesus rose from the dead They went to check it out. They saw that the grave was empty. They should have been really excited. But remember what it said about them. They thought the women were telling stories. They really weren't convinced. They didn't believe. It seemed like a fairy tale to them. So if you take your Bibles, and that's uh, page number 1218 in your pew Bible. If you brought your own Bible, you can look it up in the pew Bible. The one in front of you, it's page number 1218 where this story is. It's one of the neatest stories about the resurrection, a post-resurrection story. And it starts in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and he went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they didn't know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have, one with another, and you walk and are sad? And then one of those, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happen these days? And he said to them, What things? And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and crucified. But we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today it's the third day since all these things happened. Yes, and certain women of their company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. And when they didn't find his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women said, But him, they didn't see. Okay, now what's wrong with this picture, right? Here you have two disciples of Jesus. One's Cleopas and the other one is uh, maybe Luke, maybe Cleopas' wife. Two disciples. And they're walking on the road and they've heard that Jesus is alive. They had an eyewitness report that Jesus was alive. And they had an eyewitness report that the angels told the ladies that Jesus was alive. That should have made them really happy, right? Problem, why weren't they happy? Because they didn't believe it. They were sad. So they're walking on this road, and they're talking like you would have done. What in the world has happened? They're going back over the life of Jesus. They're saying, you know, what a wonderful man that he was, and the things that he did. And he had favor with God, and favor with man, and he did one, said wonderful things. And he did wonderful things. And they were walking along the road there, and all of a sudden, another, a stranger, appears to them. They don't recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him. It's Jesus who joins them on this road. So it's the spring of the year. And they're making this trip. It's seven miles. It's, three, it's two, two and a half hours of walking. And so they're strolling. They're, they're, they're going down. They're climbing up. The village of Emmaus is a, a, beautiful, is a, is a picturesque village up a little elevation. They go down. 
They go through the valley. They go across the bridge probably. They go along through the countryside. But Jesus joins them there. And then he asks them kind of two questions. Depending on how you understand the text. He says, so what are you all talking about? He knew what they were talking about, right? And then it says they stood there looking sad. Or perhaps it was Jesus who said to them, and why are you sad? It was inappropriate for them to be sad. If they had believed, they would have been sad. They would have been rejoicing. But because they had, they had a problem, right? And, and you can really tell that real clearly in the text because it says it, they had hoped, or he, they said to him, to Jesus, we had hoped that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. Now, what that means is that you know, they're Jewish guys, and they want somebody come along like a military conqueror and defeat the Romans and deliver Israel. We had kind of hoped he would be that kind of brave heart deliverer guy, but he wasn't. That was their problem. Have you ever had a struggle with your faith? Did you ever have a struggle like believing the stories of the Bible? Maybe you don't want to admit it here since you're all dressed up on Easter Sunday. But some of the best of us have had a weak faith from time to time. Some of the best of us have gone through periods of time that was hard for us to believe. Am I right? Some of the very strongest Christians, if they were honest with you, They would tell you that there was a time in their life when they really found it hard to believe. And others that maybe they had a period of time in their life when they were very, their faith was very strong. Or maybe it was a childhood faith or maybe it was the faith of their youth. And they had a very strong faith. And then a time came along, something happened, and it made it hard for them to believe. And they went through a difficulty. And like I said, this happens to some of the best of us. This is a picture of, anybody know who this is? Yes, yes. All the smart children said, C.S. Lewis. Isn't that a nice picture of C.S. Lewis there? And he's a, he's a famous Christian. C.S. Lewis died in 1964, but he was a famous Christian. He was a skeptic. He was an agnostic. He didn't believe in God, but the people that he admired, many of them believed in God. Many of them believed that Jesus was God. Many of them believed the resurrection was not a myth, but that it really happened. And so because of that, because of those people that he admired, he began to study their lives, and he eventually became what we would call an apologist, a person who argues for the truth of the Christian faith. And he wrote these amazing books about that. I read one of them when I was in high school called Mere Christianity. And it's like they were original, originally, they were radio addresses given, given in England during World War II. This guy is famous for being a believer, He's famous for arguing for the truth of the resurrection. He's famous for that. He wrote books about it. But then later in life, he married. And when he married, his wife had cancer. And then he watched his wife die, and it made him doubt. He went really through kind of a dark night of the soul where he had these doubts, and he eventually wrote a book out of that, A Grief Observed. He recaptured his faith. It might be like that for you. And What is it that makes people... What is it that makes people kind of stumble in their faith? What is it that makes people have problems believing? Well, there's some examples. Like, for instance, hurt is a big one. You go through a difficulty. You go through a tragedy. You go through a heartache. You go through a divorce. You go through a period of abuse. It's confusing for you. And this is often when you talk to people and they're skeptical or they doubt or they don't have a really strong or robust faith. A lot of times, if you you pay attention... And if you care about them, they will tell you that they've been through hurts, and the hurts have made them doubt. Has that been true with you? It's probably true to some degree with all of us. Other people, it's exposure to skeptics. The kid, he's raised in Sunday school and youth group, and he's taught the stories of the Bible, and he just simply believes those stories with a childlike faith. 
And he goes along believing those stories until maybe he goes off and he gets a friend who's an unbeliever and the friend begins to kind of like evangelize against that. Or he goes to college and some college professor, um, it's his hobby to shake the faith of young people. Not all college professors are like that, but some of them are. And sometimes people go through, maybe they get exposed to something, just some, some questionable thing, and it shakes their faith. There's this exposure to skeptics. Other times it's this, right? You have these desires, and what we would call them like competing desires. That's the same kid. Maybe he goes off to college, and maybe he goes right through all those philosophy classes, and it doesn't throw him up about his faith, but there are those parties on the weekend, and there are those girls, and there are those opportunities, and there are those desires, and those desires aren't really And he knows those desires aren't really compatible with being a follower of Jesus, right? You know what I'm talking about? we got people in the room right now, some of our finest guys and and gals in our church. They're they're leaders in our church. They had struggles with this in their youth. They went through a period of time when they had desires that just kind of rose up in them. And those desires were competing with their desires to follow Christ. And so they kind of got off the rails with their faith, and they kind of, they, maybe they didn't, like, some, of, some people at that point in their life, they say, I don't believe the Bible, I don't believe the resurrection, I don't believe in Jesus, I'm not a Christian, but not most people. Most people, when they get to that point in their life, they just kind of put it on the back burner, am I right? They just kind of move it aside, they kind of don't want to talk about it. This is a period of doubt, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a experience of doubt based on competing affections or competing desires. And then a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Mannion, pastor over at Ada Bible Church, says, says this. He says, a lot of times people's faith is weakened <laughs> by Christians behaving badly. Grown right now, right? Christians behaving badly. It's not what unbelievers taught you. It's not what the enemies of God have said. It's how Christians sometimes behave. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to believing in Jesus are people who follow him. We just do dumb things. There's false professors. There are genuine followers of Christ who make mistakes. But that stumbles a lot of people, am I right? Maybe some of you, like right now, it's like that's kind of where your your doubt uh, comes from. And this is what I call a busy soul. There it is, a busy soul. Or, Or maybe you could say the drift of distraction, has that ever happened to you? It's, like, it's not like you're, you woke up one morning and you said, I don't believe Jesus is God. It's not like you woke up one morning and said, I don't believe the resurrection. It's not like you go out on the weekend and, and you take drugs. It's not like you rob banks regularly. It's not like you're like the number one enemy of the Christian faith. You're just busy. And you have a lot of stuff to take care of. And you get busy and your soul gets busy. And after a while, all kinds of wonderful things are happening but you're not noticing them. All kinds of beautiful things are happening in your world that God put in your world, but you're not noticing them. My oldest daughter was born in the spring of the year. Her name is Holly. We always go out for breakfast. I take the kids out for breakfast on their, on their birthday when they were home, and now I look on the internet and I see that my kids are taking my grandkids out for breakfast on their birthday. And so my daughter Holly and I were out on her birthday one day, and I was busy. I, was, I had a big responsibility. I had a lot of pressure on me. It was before I came here. And there was just so much on me, I didn't think I could do all of it. But I dutifully said to Holly, let's, let's go for our breakfast. It was the 14th of April. And we went out for breakfast, and we drove our car up to the restaurant. And when we got out of the car, we were halfway into the restaurant. And Holly said, do you hear that, Dad? And I said, what? She said, do you hear the birds singing? I said, no, I I hadn't heard them today. 
She said, the birds always are singing on my birthday. But I hadn't seen them. I hadn't heard them because this got busy in my soul. You know, that's a really dangerous thing to do. A lot of times people, they get drifted away from the Lord, and they drift away from faith, a robust faith that they're going to need, right? Not because they're evil, not because they're wicked, not because they're eager to go off and do horrible, unspeakably vile things, but because their souls just kind of get busy. And I bet a lot of you are that way too. You get busy and you just don't notice all the beautiful things that the Lord has put into the world. So this was the problem with these guys. They, their problem was just that they were disappointed. They had a disappointment. So what happens? Look at verse 25. This is Luke chapter 24 and verse 25. And then Jesus says to them, he says this in a, in a gentle rebuke, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Okay, do you see what happened? So they're walking on the road. They're going, I don't know what's going on. We're sad. The ladies, you know, they said he's alive, but ladies, you know, they're emotional. We don't know if we want to believe them or not. They said they saw angels, but, you know, they're girls. We're not sure we want to believe girls. And so they're sad. Now, if they had just believed the girls, gentlemen, you might want to make a note of this. If they had just believed, my wife says, just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I'm dumb. I don't know why she tells me that. She says, just because I'm a girl. I mean, when we first got married, she would say that. Yeah, because I'm a, <laughs> this, these gals gave this, they gave a true report. They'd seen, they'd seen the angels. The guys, all they had to do was believe. Why didn't they believe? Because they had this misunderstanding that Jesus was different than they expected him to be. And so because they had their, their minds were a little messed up like that, when Jesus came along and he did what he said he was going to do, he suffered and died and rose again. They thought it was a fairy tale. They didn't believe it. And so now Jesus is standing there with them. Can you imagine that? On this beautiful road in the evening of the first day of the week on Easter, and they're walking, and Jesus is with them. And he says graciously to them, oh, you foolish guys, you followers of me. Your heart is slow. Your belief is weak. That's what he's saying to them. You you guys, your heart is, and then he says to them, if you had just believed what the prophets have spoken, and then what does he do? He basically tells them, he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. What is that? That's the Old Testament. That's their Bible, right? Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them or he explained to them all the, in all the scriptures things concerning himself. Okay, guys, listen. How many of you have heard the stories of the Bible before? Well, most of you have heard the stories of the Bible before. And how many of you, um, you maybe you spent time in Sunday school? Or when you were a little kid, your, your grandma told you stories about Jesus or told you stories from the Bible. And yet you went through a hurt or you went through exposure to skeptics or you got busy or something happened in your life and those stories didn't really have much power anymore. In your life, they didn't really matter to you that much. You kind of drifted. And now God's kind of there, but he's sort of in the background of your life. Belief is sort of there, but it's not as strong as it used to be. And you find yourself walking down the road, and one of these days, the sadness is going to catch up with you. And then Jesus comes along, and what does he do? He says, let's take a closer look. Let's take a closer look. Jesus doesn't tell them new stories. They're the same old stories. He says, stop, pay attention, take a closer look. Probably the best thing that I can do to help you boost your faith, strengthen your faith, 
strengthen your resolve to walk with the Lord. Help you to have an abundant and joyful life. It's just basically to encourage you to take a closer look again at the Bible stories you already know. Look at them again. Take a closer look. Like look at your world that you're living in. Look around you, listen and smell what there is to smell and hear what there is to hear. See what there is to see. And take the stories of the Bible. Are you like I am? I feel close to God in church, but I'm also working at church. So it's a lot of responsibility, right? I feel close to God when I sing songs in church, but I'm also thinking about going to preach. I feel extremely close to God sometimes when I go over to Lake Michigan and I just sit for an afternoon and I watch those beautiful freshwater waves lap the shore and I think about how good God has been to me. Or when I take the hand of a loved one and I walk out to the lighthouse on a summer evening and I wait for the sun to set with a bunch of other Michigan people. And when the sun sets, we give God a hand, we clap, and we say, how beautiful was that? I feel really close to God when a grandchild is born to me and they hand him to me or they hand her to me. I look into her face and I see, I see grandma there. I see, I see mom there. I see dad there. I see the Shipley chin. God forbid the Shipley chin has surfaced again in our family, you know. And it just makes your heart, it makes your heart so close to God. I wonder how long it's been for some of you since you stopped and you heard the bird songs. Since you just stopped and you said, and you found yourself, even if you were struggling with doubts about God and about Jesus and about the resurrection, how long has it been since you brewed a cup of coffee in the morning and then you didn't just rush off, but you just stopped for a while and you took a deep breath and you just said to God, thank you for letting me be alive. Thank you for the things that you've allowed me to do. Thank you for the people that you put in my life. Thank you for the stories that I learned when I was a little boy, when I was a little girl in Sunday school. And you took a deeper look. You took a closer look in your faith. That's all that happened with these guys. Jesus came along, did some Bible teaching that encouraged them, had them look at the same stories, and their faith was stimulated by doing that. What am I suggesting? Here's what I'm suggesting. Sometimes you go along, and because of hurt, or because of exposure to skepticism, or because of busyness, doubt is creeping into your life, and your faith isn't as strong as it ought to be. It's not, as, it's not a strong enough faith to, you know, to help you with your marriage. It's not a strong enough faith to help you be a good dad. It's not a strong enough faith to keep you honest and pure. It's not a strong enough faith to give you joy and the spring in your step that ought to be there. You've gone along in that. And what has happened is you have started to build your life not on faith, not on Jesus. You've started to actually build your life on doubt. You, there are a lot of people in this world that have their doubts, and they're actually not clinging to faith. They're clinging to their doubts. They're trying to build a life on doubts. I want to tell you something here on Easter Sunday. You cannot build a successful life on doubts. Many have gone before you and tried to do that. But the people whose lives are strong and whose hope is strong and who have the joy of the Lord in their life, they're not people who tried to build their life on doubts. They're people who built their life on faith, faith, in Jesus Christ, the living, resurrected Jesus Christ. And then these guys, they got their faith stimulated in a very interesting way. 
Notice what happens. So they're going along the road from verse 28 and on. They're going along the road, and the conversation is a crazy, amazing, wonderful conversation. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful time. It's the spring of the year. Jesus is explaining things to them that they never really understood before, giving them meaning, showing himself throughout all of the Bible. And they don't want it to end. Have you ever had that experience? You ever had a time you just didn't want to end? You just wish that you could make it, and you can't make it happen but you wish it wouldn't stop. You know what I'm talking about? When Lois and I first got married, we would preach. I would preach on Sunday, and then I would preach on Sunday night, and she would want to go visit her mom, and it's about a three-hour trip. And so I remember on those uh, summer nights, and it was before we had any children, that um, I always longed to be close and, and sit close and, 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 and uh, have that intimacy. And um, Lois is a little busy thing, always doing stuff, always fixing stuff, always doing things. Can't get her to settle down and pay lots of attention to me, you know. And so, and so I, I remember on that Sunday night, we first got married, and I was exploring those feelings and trying to figure that out. And, and we would get in the car, and she would be happy because she was going to visit her mom. And I remember one night, we got in the car, and she got in on her side, but then she scooted over, all the way over to me. And she sat right next to me. And then we drove along that night, and the conversation just came flowing out. And I wish that we could have gone six hours to mom's house because the conversation was just there. I got to imagine that when these men or this man and this woman were walking on the Emmaus Road on that Easter Sunday and they were talking with Jesus and he was explaining the Bible to them, they didn't want it to end. You know what they said? They did that thing, hey, hey, can you stay for dinner? Can you come and can you eat with us? And then he did that thing where he's like, oh, no, really, I can't. It's like when I go to your house and you say, would you like some carrot cake with thick sour cream frosting? I'm like, oh, no, how much do you have of it? No, I, I really couldn't. Do you have coffee with that? No, really, seriously, I can't. I went calling this week, had the mother of all cakes, and like frosting was thicker than the cake. That's so good. It's like occupational hazards, I guess. So the guys invite Jesus in to eat with them. They're saying, I want this conversation to go on. Listen to what I'm going to tell you here. That's all you got to do to strengthen your faith. Invite Jesus into your life. That's all you have to do. Just invite him in. Sit down with me, Jesus. Tell me all you have to tell me. Tell me what you want me to know. Tell me what I need to Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me how to do it right. God, Jesus, I know you're. So they invite him in. They don't know who he is yet, but they're having a great conversation. And they invite him in, and then he does something amazing. He does this breaking of the bread which Jesus was kind of famous for. That's kind of what he did. Remember on the seashore, on the north end of the Sea of Galilee with thousands of people, and he breaks the bread, and they go, did you see that? It was the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. And then over on the, on the west side, sorry, on the east side, there was another feeding of Gentile people for the most part. He did the breaking of the bread. And then in the upper room, not too long before, he did the breaking of the bread. And now he does this. He breaks the bread, and miraculously, they understand who he is. And then he's gone. And this is one of the most famous statements of Scripture. They look at each other and they say, man, wasn't that a heartwarming experience when he was explaining about himself from the Bible? Didn't our hearts burn within us? And they were no longer skeptics. They were no longer doubters. No, they... They had a fresh beginning here. There's a whole new fresh start. Didn't our hearts burn within us? We saw them in the breaking of the bread. I want to suggest to you, there's probably nothing wrong with you. There's probably nothing wrong with your family. There's probably nothing wrong with the things that are wrong with you right now that wouldn't be fixed by this right here. 
Jesus Christ reveals himself to you, you take a closer look at those stories of the Bible. Because when you take a closer look and you devote yourself to looking deeply, have you ever studied the Bible and studied the stories of Scripture and like looked into the eyes of Jesus, in a sense, until your heart was warmed? Until your heart was warmed? It's one thing to go to Sunday school. It's one thing to have preachers talk. They talk incessantly, don't they? It's another thing, though. It's another thing, though, for those stories to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That isn't just a story. That's true. That isn't a fairy tale. That's true. That's life. This Jesus who came into the world and died and was buried and rose again is coming back. And he's willing to have communion, fellowship, friendship with me personally. Did not our hearts burn within us, they said. And when they said that, then they immediately got back up. They had already taken this long walk, right? And what did they do? Immediately they went back and they, they, huffed, they, they hoofed it back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the apostles, the girls were right. You aren't going to believe this. The girls were right. I think I enjoy that part of the story a lot more than you do. But anyway, the girls were right. They doubted their doubts. They took a closer look at Jesus. It made a big difference in their life. They just started over. And when they started over, they became powerful powerful witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's talk about you. Have you ever had time to hit the reset button on your life and just start over? It would be such a great day to do that today. Maybe, maybe every one of us needs to do that today. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're alive. It is no fairy tale. These stories are true. I'll build my life on them. I'll trust you with my whole life. I'll follow you with a whole heart. I will never look away from you. I will never stray from you. I will never let my faith get weak again. I'm going to build my life on the stories of the Bible. I'm going to build my life on the Jesus of the Bible. Listen, wouldn't it be an amazing thing for you to do that? When people do that, crazy stuff happens. There was a girl, her her name was Elizabeth. In a few hours, I will see Elizabeth. Elizabeth is one of my daughters-in-law. I met her up at camp years ago. I love to tell the story. I, uh, she eventually then met my son, and they married, and they have three adorable little boys. She's my daughter-in-law. I love her. She has a genuine faith in the Lord. She has a genuine faith on Snapchat and on Instagram and on Facebook. I can see that she's training our grandsons to have a genuine faith in the Lord. But it wasn't always that way. When she was a girl, she was involved in things that were shameful. When she was a girl, she made these mistakes. She got involved in things that weren't pure. She got involved in shoplifting. She's told me I can tell you this story. I often tell it because it's such a beautiful story. But then... One day, her dad said to her, I want you to come to camp with me to a father-daughter retreat. They went to the father-daughter retreat, and the pastor there was talking about what it would be like if you really believed in God and you really built your life on the stories of the Bible and on Jesus. And she wanted to start over again. And so on a walk back to the cabin that night, she says to her dad, Dad, I would like to start over again. And her dad said, I will help you start over again. You can start over again today. Think about that. We all need to do that from time to time. Our faith has grown weak. As a result of that, our life isn't what it ought to be. We take a closer look, and then we start our faith again. We got people all over the room like that. I have permission to tell you this. Brendan and I had dinner. Had, 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 Brendan and I had lunch. Brendan was raised in a church. Families as devout as they come. They came to everything. They were involved in everything. And a period of time in Brendan's life, he strayed away from faithfulness to the Lord. And during that time in his life, it was a sad and difficult time, and he had a friend take his life. He had his little brother kind of rebuke him. And we were sitting at lunch, and he said, Pastor, I wanted to take you to lunch. He tried to buy my lunch, and he said, I wanted to take you to lunch because I wanted to tell you I'm back. I'm back. I'm following the Lord. 
I made a mistake. I strayed. But I want you to know I'm back. You know what he said? This happens a lot of times. He said, by the way, he helped with the, he helped with the, the warming center, and he had the privilege of leading somebody to the Lord. And he, you know what he said to me? While we're eating, he said, you know, he's been hearing me preach for years since he's kind of a little kid, right? But he said, every message you preach now, it's like you're preaching right to me. Well, it's going to be especially that way today, right? But anyway, but every message you preach, it's like you're preaching right. He's here today. He's here today. He's back. He's following. He had a, he had a bit of a stumble, but he's back on his feet. How about you? Why don't you come back? Why don't you begin to follow Jesus? Why don't you take a deeper, closer look at the stories of the Bible? Sandra, her story, we like to tell it. Uh, Sandra was raised in a church, drifted away from faithfulness to the Lord. Those were difficult years, which included her marriage coming to an end. And recently, she saw a Christian movie. It simulated her heart. A few, a few days ago, we stood right here and remarried her to her husband. A, a couple weeks ago, right here in this baptistry, she was baptized, and she's devoted her life to following. She's in the room today because she, when she got older and when she's going through a difficult time in her life, she took a closer look at the stories that she heard when she was little, and they changed her life, and they can change your life too. Think about that. In the room today is a couple. Both of them have had broken marriages. Both of them have had heartaches and regrets. Both of them have been mistreated. He's told me many times how much he regrets not being the husband he should have been that contributed to his divorce, not being the dad that he should have been. Sometimes we spend time together, and the grief from that and the remorse from that is so thick, and yet we go to the cross. He's in the room today. He and his wife are in the room today. Jesus is their Savior. They're following the Lord. They devoted the rest of their lives to encouraging other people because they took another look at the stories that they knew from when they were little, and they believed them in a deep way, and their faith was strong. Adrian, who sang today, how about that first choir number? Was that awesome or what? So she sang today. She had faith in her heart when she was just a little child. But she didn't really take a deep and strong and long look at it. And her husband, he has, we met Jason, and he had in his heart, when he was just a little boy, he has memories of faith and of thoughts about God that are very real to him. But, he, but neither one of them really were actively following the Lord. Neither one of them really knew that they were right with the Lord. And somebody invited them here, and the people in the church kind of got around them. And their whole life has been changed as a result of that. And not too long ago, in the baptistry where I baptized Jason, I baptized their son Ben. Why? When I think about that family, I think it's really good for them that somebody invited them here. Not because of this church, just because they've taken the stories of Jesus seriously. It's going to change their whole life, and it's going to change generations, and it can change your life too. There are other people that are here. Ed has given me uh, permission to tell his story. We had breakfast the other day, and Ed said that he was picked up up in near Port Huron. He was picked up on a bus when he was a kid, and he was taken on a bus to a church. And they loved him at that church. And they taught him about Jesus at the church where they picked him up on the bus. And the youth pastor was a good guy. And he was kind to him. He was loving to him. But when Ed got to be a young man, he kind of drifted away. It's not like he stopped believing. But it's like he drifted away. And while we were having that breakfast a few weeks ago, he says to me, a couple weeks ago, he says to me, man, I don't know what happened to me. He said, one day when I had drifted away and I wasn't attending church, I was at a bowling alley and the youth pastor was over there and he caught my eye and I thought he was going to come over and rebuke me. And he just walked over and he very warmly said, you know, I miss you. Ed said, man, I don't know what happened to me, 
Well, Ed is back. He's sitting right here right now. He's back. He's following the Lord. You can come back too. This is an awesome place to come back and start over again. It's an awesome place to come back and get going on your life again. Your life is going to be different. Your faith is going to be strong. Your life, you'll have abundant life. It can happen. I could go on and on. Can I tell you one or two more stories? Here's another girl. Her name is Jen. She's a school teacher. Jennifer's a school teacher, and she gets invited by another school teacher to come here. And she comes, and she was a little girl. She believed in God, but her family went through difficulty, and it broke her heart. And she thought, well, I'm a good person, and I believe in God, so I'm probably okay with God. But she wasn't sure. But when she came here, we were actually in a series of messages on Romans. And a Christian friends got around her, began to help her to understand the gospel. And she listened to the message. And one Sunday, I was preaching about going up to the north end of a lake and consecrating my life to God over and over again. And she said that was that Sunday she decided to give her life to God. We baptized her not long ago, and we're going to stand here. In a little while, she's going to marry one of the boys in the church. She's going to be a scully. I like that. Yeah, that's right. We saved one of our best guys for her. Isn't that great? So that's what, yeah, go ahead. You can clap about that. That's an exciting story. Sure, go ahead. Celebrate that. Because when, when people believe the stories of the Bible, and when the stories of the Bible about Jesus are not fairy tales to people, it actually changes their real life. And you can do that too. And you can do that now. That's the way it is. You see, Lois and I, when we were in, uh, we were in a Holy Land, and we went to a place called Gordon's Calvary. It was a beautiful place. And it was really well highly organized. There were people at Gordon's Calvary from all over the world. All over the world. There was, uh, there was also the garden tomb there. And so you could see Gordon's Calvary. You could see the garden tomb. It was, a, it, was a, it was a tomb where many people go and they look at that tomb and they remember the resurrection of Christ. And we waited to, to go through that tomb. And there were groups, like I said, there were groups from all kinds of different places in the world. And then we waited our turn, and finally we got to go in. And I didn't expect it to be such an emotional experience for me. When I walked into the garden tomb, and when I looked down there, that was the picture I remember from Sunday school when I was a boy. And there was a little plaque there. He is risen. The tomb was empty. That was the very picture I remember from when I was a little boy. And I thought when I stood there, This isn't a story. This isn't a fairy tale. This is so real that I can build my whole life on it. See, there really was a man whose name was Jesus Christ. He was born a little baby to a peasant girl, and he grew up and he never sinned. He taught like nobody ever taught. He healed people who were sick. He cast demons out of people who were oppressed demonically. He stopped and he stooped for the lowest of people. He listened to people nobody else ever listened to. He had the highest regard for women. And he drew strong men's loyalty to follow him. He fed people who were hungry. His teaching was amazing. He was a powerful, good, godly, healing teacher. Very God, a very God in the form of of a man. The religious establishment didn't like the competition. So as a result of that, what they did is they they trumped up charges against Jesus, and they eventually put him through a series of six different trials, and they turned him over to the Romans, and the Romans used the cruel method of crucifixion. They crucified Jesus Christ. After a mock trial and a mock coronation, they jammed a crown of thorns on his head, and the blood flowed down 
past his gentle face, Jesus Christ, who with his hands healed little children and the sick and raised the dead and fed people, was abused and violated and tortured. He was crucified on the street, close enough where people could walk by and they could spit in his face. They could blaspheme his name. Jesus Christ died on the cross on a prior arrangement with his father. He agreed to come and to die on the cross. And there on the cross, the Bible says that when they nailed, they they drove spikes through his hands and feet, and they nailed him to the cross. During the time that Jesus was on the cross, it was the middle of the day, and the day turned to midnight, and Jesus Christ chose to lay down his life then. Later on, they came to make sure he was dead. A Roman soldier thrust his spear through his side. They eventually took his body off of the cross, and loyal people took and put it in the grave. But he said that after he was in the grave, parts of three days and three nights, he would rise again, and he rose again. Jesus Christ rose again. Jesus Christ came back to life. Jesus Christ is alive today. He's changing the lives of people today. He's changed the lives of people that are sitting here today. We have another man in our church and he, would, he was a Gideon, and he would pass out Bibles. He went over to a university, and he was passing out Bibles. And people were coming out of a, 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 a hall there, and he, and he and his friends were giving them these Bibles. You know, some people would just cherish their beautiful Bibles. They're, they're like an heirloom. They, these Bibles are beautifully bound, and they will last for a long time. They have helpful things in them. So they hand him these beautiful Bibles, just a gift from the Gideons. You know what he said? He said that these people would come along, and some of them would just take that Bible and they would just stop, you know, and they would cherish that. Thank you so much for this Bible. But most of the people just kind of took it, and they walked along. But he said it was a cold winter day, and there were burn barrels around. He said that some people would take that New Testament, and they would walk over to the burn barrel, and they would take the Bible, and they would throw it in the burn barrel. I doubt if you would be that way today. I doubt if any of you that are sitting here would take the Bible, the stories of Jesus, and you would throw them away and burn them. But what, what difference does it make if they're just fairy tales to you? How is it really different if you don't decide to build your family on them? How is it different if you don't decide to do your parenting based on those stories? How is it really different if you burn the stories of the Bible or if you just ignore them? How is it different with you and your life and your eternity and when you face God and your sins and your guilt? How is it different? It's not significantly different. I want you to do something here um, with me. Kind of participate with me as we close. In front of you is a Bible. If you brought your own Bible, then you're fine. If you didn't bring your own Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Take it out just for a minute. Just take it out, okay? Just reach forward there. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, go ahead and take the Bible that's in the pew. Just take it out. Just kind of participate with me here. Take that Bible out. Take it out. Hold it in your hands. It's a copy of the Word of God. These are the stories of Jesus. You have a Bible now, right? Take it out. Hang on to that. Here's, listen to what, I, what I'm going to say right now because this could change your life. Some of you you really need to start over again. Am I right? You need to have your faith stimulated again. You need to follow you. It would be a good, we're, we're preaching through the book of Revelation. Does that sound interesting? Here starting next Sunday, we're, again, we're going through the book of Revelation. We're explaining the, if you understand the end of the Bible, you understand the whole Bible. We're explaining the end of the Bible. We're explaining the end of time. Come back week after week and listen to those messages. Take that Bible home with you. It's a gift from us. Please take that Bible home. Don't throw it away. Don't ignore it. Here's all that we ask, all that we ask. If you take the Bible home with you today, all we're asking you to do is let us know you did. 
so that we can help you take whatever next steps there are. We'll be very gentle with you. You might want to have a conversation. We might want to point you to some videos that we have. We might want to sit down and maybe give you some counsel. But we want you to take that Bible as a gift. We want you to cherish that Bible and build your family on it. We want you to build your life on it. You'll be so glad that you did. Years ago, there was a man who was born in the Middle East, and he had a great deal of difficulty and in, in, in hardship in his youth. And he immigrated to the United States, and uh, he married. He's a college professor. He's, a, he's, um, he's here in the room. He immigrated to the United States, and he lives down the road. And his little girl, he's got a boy and a girl. He's got a wife and a son and a daughter. And his little girl started coming to Sunday school here years ago, or coming to uh, Awana which is a little club that we have where kids memorize Bible verses and stuff. So this little girl started coming here, and then she went home, and she said to Daddy, you know, who wasn't really, he, he had a religious background, but he hadn't personally become a, a devout follower of Jesus Christ. So his daughter went home, and she began to say, help me with my Bible verses. And the Bible got under Zach's skin. And Zach started coming to church. And Zach Nussam came to know Jesus Christ. He's one of our most joyful and faithful deacons today. And, I, and, and your life can be changed too when you believe the stories of the Bible are real and you follow the living Christ. And today, we're going to do two things before we go. Zach is going to come. And he's going to, I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand with me? And Zach Nussam is going to come. He's going to offer a word of prayer. Um, and he's going, to, he's going to close our service in prayer. And then when he's done... And he, after he's done closing our source of prayer and making whatever comment he wants to make, then we're going to sing a beautiful resurrection song, and you'll be dismissed. All right?